0: Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamo Gordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, if you will, take your Bibles and go to John chapter 10. Uh, this morning we are going to finish what's really a uh, second part to last week's message when we started in John chapter 10 as, as we're walking through these I Am statements of Jesus. And last week, uh, we looked at Jesus saying, I am the gate for the sheep. And uh, we, we said, we talked a lot about shepherding last week, uh, because in, in this context, the gate to the sheep pen would not have been a gate like we're used to thinking of. It would have been the shepherd himself who, who would have laid down at night over the entrance to the gate. In fact, a, a practice that's still done in the Near East by shepherds today, where they will lay down over the gate uh, into the sheep pen. So that no sheep comes in or out unless they go over the shepherd and no wolf comes in or out unless they go through the shepherd first. And so this morning then we come to, uh, to John chapter 10. We're going to pick up in verse 11 and, and look at Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. So we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what it means for him to be the good shepherd Today, uh, Before we do that, let me, let me just kind of give you a real quick update, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some stuff that happened at, at the Southern Baptist Convention this week. Uh, but our family left last Sunday right after church, and we drove to Phoenix for the Southern Baptist Convention and spent three days where it was under 100 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, so I think it was cooler in Phoenix than it was in Alamogordo. Uh, so... Um, Listen, I'm praising God. I'm sorry for you guys, but I'm praising God because it was, it was bearable in, in Phoenix. Uh, we had a great time there, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about some resolutions that were passed. Uh, there was drama, and if you if you followed the news at all, uh, we, we made CNN. I'm not always sure that's a good thing, but we, we, we made some national headlines, and they, they, they went a little more sensationalistic with the news. Uh, chaos was one of the words they used. I, I was there. There was not chaos um, maybe mild confusion, but, but we'll talk more about that and, and about the, the motion that caused uh, so, much, um, so many issues because it's, it falls right in line with, with something we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, but, but let me tell you, I, I leave, we, we left Phoenix, um, and, and I am as committed as ever to Southern Baptist causes, to the cooperative program to the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board. And and let me say this, um, if you've you've been following uh, Southern Baptist news, Southern Baptist life for the last few years, uh, you know, we we hit a time where the International Mission Board had to to begin pulling some missionaries off the field um, because of budget crisis. Uh, David Platt, president of the IMB, said um, they are now in a position where they are ready to begin increasing the number of missionaries on the foreign mission field again um, so when, when he stepped into that office as president, um, the, the International Mission Board was something like $200 million short um, and, and they had no choice but, but to begin decreasing personnel. That has turned and, and um, we are now poised to begin sending more Missionaries for the first time in several years. So, um, you're going to be hearing a lot about evangelism out of out of President uh, Steve Gaines over the next year. This last year he focused on prayer. This next year he's focusing on evangelism, um, because our number of baptisms continued to drop. The, the average, uh, the, the, in fact, there are 25 percent of Southern Baptist churches who baptized nobody last year, a quarter, um, and, and there's no other word for that than, than unacceptable. So. Uh, We're going to be doing what we can, and and I'll be be telling more about that as we go into this fall, about what that'll look like for us. Um, But but if we want to see, if we want to see our church grow, which is not the end game, if we want to see our church grow, there's one way to do that, share the gospel, share the gospel. So, all right, now that all that's out of the way, I've rambled on about that, Um, let's, let's go to John chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. If you will stand with me as we read the word that the Lord has given to us. This morning, we're going to pick up in verse 11, John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I received this command from my father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words and many of them were saying he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying these aren't the words of someone who is demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people and open up your word. Will you speak to us this morning through this passage? Will will you show us what it means to follow Christ Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear what you have to say this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you can have a seat. Thank you. So so this morning as we look at the, the Good Shepherd... We're going to see a few things here about how the good shepherd responds to us and how we're to respond to him. So the first thing that we see here in verses 11 through 13 is we're told that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In fact, Jesus says this explicitly in verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, now think really quickly about the part that sheep played in the Old Testament. Now, if you're familiar with the, with the Old Testament at all, sheep were one of the primary sacrifices that were offered uh, to, to help cover sins in the life of somebody. So in the Old Testament, sheep were expected to die for the shepherd. And then Jesus shows up and he turns that around and he says, no, no, no longer will the sheep die for the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to lay my life down for the sheep. And then he talks about the hired hand, which is is really interesting. And, And he says the hired hand runs away. He leaves and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. Verse 13 says this happens because he's a hired hand and he doesn't care about the sheep. Now now remember, Jesus is not talking here, uh, he's not speaking on physical terms about literal sheep and shepherds and and hired hands. He's speaking on spiritual terms, and what he's saying is that while the the religious leaders of Israel should have been acting like shepherds, they've, they've been acting like hired hands, where as soon as things get rough, they take off. In other words, you get the idea that the hired hands look around and go, listen, they're not paying me enough for this. All right, You want, you want me to step in front of a wolf? No. Have your lamb chops. I'm gone. All right, that, that's, the way that, that's the way the hired hands work. You're not, you're not paying me enough to, to try to take on a wolf. And what he's saying is this is the way the religious leaders looked at the children of Israel. I'm here because uh, they're paying me decently, is what they're, is what they're saying, And as long as things are smooth, I'm good. But listen, I don't really want to get my hands dirty and I don't want to get messy with all your stuff. So so if you become too much, I'm out. And Jesus says that's not the way he is at all. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Whatever it takes to protect my people, I'm going to do. He will later say these words in John 15, 13. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. So so this morning I'm going to call you to consider the one who would willingly lay down his life for you. To consider Christ Jesus, who knowing everything about you, knowing all your junk and all your faults and everything, chose to lay down his life for you. And and I find it interesting that that later on in his life, Peter, who's one of Jesus' disciples, who's hearing these words, Peter is later going to write to pastors. And he's going to say these words, shepherd God's flock among you, 1 Peter 5. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I find it interesting that after he heard Jesus say the words, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. He's going to call pastors and elders to shepherd the flock of God. Hmm? Not out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. And then I like this, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Listen, I've never known a pastor who's entered the the ministry, and if they are, they're the biggest fool I've ever seen. If you you get in the ministry thinking, man, I'm getting rich out of this. No, that's not the way it works. But but let me say this as as a pastor. I, I feel a deep sense of calling when I read these words. And a deep sense of responsibility when I read Jesus' word saying that he's the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. And then the fact that I'm called the shepherd, the flock of God. Listen. Sometimes you'll hear pastors who will refer to churches as, well, that's my church. I've never been real comfortable saying that. In fact, usually I catch myself. When I say that, because this church doesn't belong. You are not my people. You are the people of God whom he's placed under my care for a season. Um, and so, so listen, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to shepherd well. I want to shepherd well. I want to follow the example of the good shepherd. In, in, in following after you. And, and, and so I thank you for your grace as I'm learning how to do that. Um, and I thank you for the privilege uh, f- for not striking your shepherd. <laughs> thank you. It is, it, listen, this is, and, and, I, and I mean this, it is a joy to pastor this church. I know we're not perfect. I know we got issues like, like anywhere else, but, but it is a joy to pastor this church. And so, so, so let, me, let me encourage you with a couple of things. For, first of all, let me, let me say that I covet prayers. Man, I covet your prayers. Um, and, and secondly, I need to be held accountable to shepherd like Christ has called me to shepherd. And, and, and that, that as we grow together in the Lord, um, we, we see God do some amazing things in and through us as, as a church. And, and I've said this before. I'm just, I'm thrilled that I get to be along for the ride uh, of what God's doing here. It's, it's been fun to watch. It's been a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, so, so, so the shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Secondly, we see that the good shepherd is known by the sheep. Verses 14 and 15 It says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father loves me, or excuse me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. There he says it again. Now, now we talked last week about how the the shepherd knows his sheep and how the the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And we talked uh, last week as well about how still in the Near East, shepherds will lead their flocks by their voice. And how sheep uh, for all their, um, since even though they are intellectually challenged animals, they know their shepherd's voice. And I, I think I shared last week, I'm going to say again, uh, in fact, there are even stories of tourists who will dress up in the shepherd's clothing and try to go out and lead the sheep. But the sheep will not follow because they know the shepherd's voice and they follow his voice. So, so we talked how how the the, um, the shepherd will go into a pen where there could be several flocks, kind of a community pen, uh, where there, there are several flocks from around the community. He could make a call, and his sheep will come to him. And not only that, he knows each one by name. And then, then here, Jesus goes a little bit deeper into it. And he talks about this intimacy of what it looks like to know him and to know the Father. He says, I'm the good shepherd, I know my own, my own know me. And then look at what he says in 15. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I know my own and my own know me just as I know the Father. Just as Jesus Christ knew his Father, he knows you and he knows me. And he wants us to know him in that same way, that same intimate way relationship so John 10 4 last week we, we, we read the sheep follow him because they know his voice and I think I asked the question and I'm going to ask it again do you know the voice of Christ well enough to distinguish it from all the other voices that will try to get your attention in our world can you recognize his voice and can, can you recognize when someone is twisting what he has said and 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 listen there's no magic bullet there's no secret formula there's not three steps the way we come to know God's voice is by being in his word consistently I saw a great picture this week uh, on Facebook it was a it was a picture of Pastor John MacArthur he pastors a, an, an enormous megachurch in, in Southern California. And, and, and it was him standing up and it said, uh, I have a new revelation. And then it panned to the crowd and there were people like clapping. I have a new revelation from God. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah, people were standing. Yes. Read your Bible. That was, his, that was his new revelation. I got a special word from God for you. Read your Bible. You want to come to know the voice of God? Read your Bible. There is no shortcut. There is no substitute for being in the Word of God. And, and, and so, so listen, man, it, when life starts falling apart and you want to know, I, why, why am I not hearing from God? Why is he not speaking to me? That will always be my first question. Are you in the Bible? And it's not a magic key to unlocking, to, to unlock the deep secrets of God. Because in, in the Bible, when Paul refers to a mystery, It's something that was once hidden that was now revealed. And and he usually is referring to the fact that that Messiah has come. This was a mystery that was once hidden. We knew Messiah was coming. But all of a sudden in Christ, God revealed all of who he was. There's no deep dark secret. I, I don't think there's a hidden formula somewhere in the Bible. But the Bible is how we come to know God's voice and and what we see here is that it's not this is not a one-sided dominant relationship where where we are expected to perform for God in hopes that we can make him happy where God's sitting back like some supernatural Simon Cowell ready to like hit the x buzzer Was, was that too contemporary I'm sorry. (laughs) If if you have no idea what I just said, don't worry. You're, You're okay. That's not the way God operates. He says, I want my people to know me and to have the same intimacy, the same relationship that I have with my Father, is what Christ says. In fact, later on in the garden in John chapter 17, on the night that he's arrested, the night before he's crucified, as Jesus is praying for his disciples, he prays this. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So just stop and think about that for a second. He says, this is eternal life. Man, not strolling streets of gold, not singing Beulah Land for the next 400 million years. This is eternal life, that they may know you. So when we talk about glory, when we talk about the days when this life is over, for whatever else that may mean, whether you got a mansion over the hilltop or or whatever, whatever else that means, it means that we will know God completely. That is what it means to have eternal life in Christ Jesus, that we will know God in a way we cannot even fathom here. Then we see that the good shepherd secures his sheep in verses 16 and 18. He says, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now now keep in mind who Jesus is speaking to here. He's primarily talking to Jews. Who... According to their understanding, according to their theology, they were the people of God. And in the Old Testament, we see that. Jews were the chosen people of God. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and he says this, But listen, I have other sheep that are not of this pen, and I must bring them in also. And you think that he didn't raise some eyebrows and get some sideways glances when he starts talking. Listen, I have sheep who are not part of this family but they will be. Because all of a sudden what Jesus Christ did when he walked onto the face of the earth, his, he began declaring that his kingdom was not simply for Jews alone, but it was open to all people. Amen. And he says this, there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jews and Gentiles will be brought together into one flock, the children of God through Christ Jesus. In Galatians 3.28, Paul writes these words to the churches in an area of Asia called Galatia. And he says this, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, Now, now, as I said, this verse is is very important, particularly giving the context of some stuff that happened at at the Southern Baptist Convention this week. There was a resolution that was introduced by a black pastor from from the Dallas area condemning white supremacy and the alt-right. And I don't have time to get into the alt-right other than to say that they are typically a group um, of folks who will claim to be conservative but who find their identity in their whiteness. Okay? I don't don't know how else to put it. They find their identity in their whiteness, and they want to preserve the Anglo race. Uh, That's basically their their point for existence. We want to preserve the Anglo race. And this resolution was originally uh, originally died in the committee. They didn't even bring it to the floor. Um, And I don't have time to get into how all that works, but there was a bit of an... Uproar That this motion wasn't brought to the floor. So a few pastors and some others got together and rewrote the motion. It was uh, presented on Wednesday afternoon and passed almost unanimously, reports where there was one no vote that that, uh, voted against it. And I'd heard this term alt-right. I, I, was, I was not as familiar with it as, as I should be. Um, I, I kind of dabble in politics, but I, just, I think I've seen really bad things happen when pastors dive headfirst into politics. That's not my calling. My calling is to preach the gospel, not peddle politics. So anyway, um, I, I'd heard about this group. I'd never seen it in full force until that motion was passed and Twitter exploded with folks from the alt-right. And some of the most vile, disgusting racism began rearing its ugly head aimed at the Southern Baptist Convention. And one of the most disturbing things that I saw were some comments posted uh, on a pastor's Twitter page who just earlier this year adopted a black child from Africa and I've never seen hatred like I like I saw on his page. Saying things like "Don't you realize that kid's going to kill you in your sleep?" Oh. Folks, just because we've come through the civil rights era doesn't mean that racism is dead. Racism is alive and well. And let me say this: it has no place in the life of a believer, Amen. because in Christ. Jesus, the thing that defines us is not color of your skin or socioeconomic background or the country of origin the thing that defines us is that we are saved and freely forgiven in Christ Jesus and so, so listen I, I left Phoenix um, as excited as I've ever been and as humbled as I've ever been that I have the opportunity to pastor a multi-ethnic congregation. And I was also reminded how fragile that is. And that's not something we can take for granted, but it's something we have to fight fiercely to protect. And and, and this this goes way beyond the discussion of race, but but if you find your identity in something other than being a child of God, or as a believer being forgiven by Christ Jesus, if you find your identity in anything else, that will will draw lines of division between folks that, that agree with you and folks that disagree with you. We see it in politics. We saw it this, this last week. A guy who opened fire on the Republican baseball team when they're practicing. Why? Because he disagreed with them to the point that he felt like he had to take violent action. And any time we find our identity in anything else, those will, that, that will put walls up between ourselves and others. But when we find our identity as people who've been saved by grace through faith, this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast, that breaks down walls. And we don't have time to fight over petty things like skin color and socioeconomic class. We have too great a calling and too important a mission to be distracted by lesser things. In securing his sheep, when Jesus says, I have other sheep that that are not of this fold that I must bring in, he, he then goes on to say this in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then again in verse 17, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, we talk here about Christ giving his life willingly. So listen, all the other stuff that happened the night of of Jesus' arrest and the next morning his, his crucifixion, well, while those were evil acts perpetrated by men, never believe anybody when they say, well, Jesus' life was taken from him. No, absolutely not. He willingly laid it down and he laid it down for you and for me to secure us. Another uh, resolution that we passed is uh, we, we affirmed substitutionary atonement, which simply, it's a big word that simply means Christ died in your place and in my place. That would seem like something we would not have to affirm as Southern Baptists, but just to make sure that everybody knows we're on the same page, we, we passed this resolution. Yes, we believe that Christ died in our place, took the penalty that we deserved so that we could be set Free. We see this in several places where Jesus lays down his life in your place and in my place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This verse has been called the glorious exchange, where Christ took on our sin and gave us his righteousness. Isaiah 53 5 and 6, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. We are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Glorious verses declaring God sent Christ Jesus to pay the penalty that we could not pay. And this is open to all. To all. One of, the, one of the best stories that we heard out of the Southern Baptist Convention, right after David Platt gave his report from the International Mission Board, a pastor came to the mic. And he said, he said Dr. Platt, I simply want to say thank you. He said, I'm an Iraqi pastor. He said, because you sent missionaries to Iraq, I heard the gospel and I came to faith in Christ. And now I am serving as a Southern Baptist pastor in Iraq to reach my brothers and sisters who are Muslim with the gospel. This is why we can declare with Paul in Romans 1:16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And later in Romans 10, he will make this statement, if this declaration, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. One confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. And so, the the last point is really not a point at all. It's a question. That is simply, how will you respond to the Good Shepherd? We see here how the people responded in verse 19. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon or he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In case you haven't noticed, Jesus causes reaction in people. You start talking about Jesus, you're going to get a reaction. Keith was sharing with me just this morning about some of their kids at the counseling center. They were, they were passing out VBS cards for us. And they aroused some reactions. And that's nothing new. In fact, John 3, we, we know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, and in verse 19, Jesus says the light is coming to the world and the people, uh, people, their works were evil because they loved the darkness rather than the light. Christ has always caused a reaction. Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, right after the Holy Spirit fell on the believers gathered in the house, we're told that people from all over the world, from all the nations of the world were gathered in Jerusalem for this festival. And this is the reaction of people when the Holy Spirit fell. It says, they were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they're drunk on new wine." And Peter stands up, and I love that his uh, message on Pentecost, in which 3,000 people were saved after he preached it, I love that it starts this way. Guys, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Give us some credit. We're not drunk. That's how his message begins. It's the greatest introduction in the history of of the world, I think. Of course, so so then the question, of course, is not how did the people respond? Because we see there were all kinds of of, of responses to Jesus. Some were saying he's crazy. Others were saying, no, hold on. Like he just healed a blind guy. We've got to do something with that. The ultimate question, though, is not how they responded. The question is, how will you respond? Remember Matthew 16, Jesus asks his disciples, who do the people say I am? He says, well, some say you're Elijah. Maybe one of the other prophets come back to life. Uh, Some say you're John the Baptist who was just beheaded and they think that that he's shown back up here. And then Jesus turns and looks at them and asks this. But you, who do you say that I am? See, here's the reality. It doesn't matter what your mom or your dad or your grandparents said about Jesus. Jesus. on that day when this life is over and you stand at the throne of heaven, you don't get grandfathered in. Each of us must decide for ourselves who Christ Jesus is. And so let me just simply ask this morning, have you trusted in Christ as the good shepherd? Have you trusted in his death? His laying down his life for you? Have you come to know him personally and intimately? And do you know for sure that you've been saved and secured by the good shepherd? If you can't say yes to all those questions, I would love to visit with you in just a moment. And show you how you can know for sure that your life is hidden with Christ. That He, that you are saved and secured in Him. What it means to follow Christ Jesus, to repent of sins, to trust in Him as Lord and Savior. How will you respond today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to go and represent our church at the Southern Baptist Convention where we see the work that you're doing, not just in Alamogordo, not just in New Mexico, and not even just in the United States, but to the very ends of the earth. Where men, women, and children every day are turning from sin, from death to life in Christ Jesus. Where they're leaving Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and trusting in the one true God. And God, we know that that when you do that around the world, you can do it right here in Alamogordo. God, I pray if there's not anyone, if there's anyone in this room who has not responded to your offer of grace, your offer of life, that today would be the day. We pray for the families that will walk through our doors this week for Vacation Bible School, and we pray that for those who have not heard of the grace of Jesus Christ, that this is the week they step from death to life. Not so that we can boost names or roles on on our church membership but for your glory and for the sake of the kingdom of God, we pray that people will step from death to life. Thank you for being our good shepherd, for leading us and guiding us, for securing us in your hand. for knowing each of us better than we know ourselves and and for the desire that, that we saw this morning, the desire that you have that we would come to know you just as intimately as you know us. Lead us, O good shepherd, and we will follow. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at fbcalamo.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.